All right, you're back in the DFSR for an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And buddy, it only took me three takes to get the opening to the podcast correct. We're not out of the woods yet, my friend. Keep going. <laughs> no, we are now because I'm good now. I, I needed to. I need to speak truth to the thing that I just kept screwing up. And once I do that, I feel. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to move on. I, it's. The, it's really the. It's the plan stuff that screws me up. I. I can roll off. I feel like I can roll off stats and just thoughts about players and games is whenever I have to say something specific, I feel like that's where it really gets in my head. I don't know if that's maybe I'm just not, not destined to be on ESPN, buddy. I don't think so. I don't think I'm going to be in the big chair or be doing the big show anytime soon. So if you were wondering, know, buddy, you a lot of, a lot of guys get called up to ESPN after the age of 40. So I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't write yourself off just yet. 40 is the new 30. I think we can agree on that. Um, <laughs> <I> totally agree. <laughs> Almost 41. And it's just 10 days or not. You have 10, 11 days. Something I forgot like that. about that. 41. Nice. Yeah. September 21st. So if you're listening out there and you, September 21st comes along, at Doug Norrie is my Twitter. Just make sure you send me some birthday wishes. <laughs> You'll be the only one that really remembers. All right. We're going to be breaking down every game on the main slate for FanDuel and DraftKings, rolling through the spreads, the over-unders, and, of course, the DFS plays that we're going to need to know about heading into week two. If you want to get our cash game plays, we'll nod to some of them, but we're not going to go too in-depth on some of the guys we talked about yesterday. So go back and listen to the cash game podcast um, where we do go position by position, talk about different plays in really every price tier, and just kind of talk about lineup construction where, where we kind of think cash games are going to go for us. Today we'll focus a little bit more on the news and notes, injuries, and maybe some of those offbeat plays, and actually maybe just try to make sense of some of the guys that had uh, big week ones. Um, uh, do you want to just get any, any you know, quick thoughts on the rest of the on, on some of these games, or should we just start rolling through them uh, one by one? Start grinding, son. Oh, I love it. you're nothing but you're, you're all business when it comes to these podcasts. I know you start looking at the clock, and then we need to <laughs> we need to make sure we finish at a certain. <laughs> some of us of time. have other things to do. We can't all fly to India or wherever and uh, just you know just have to throw away our watches or whatever else it is you do when you travel to the I don't throw, locations I don't, in the world. didn't throw away my watch, buddy. And you got to reprogram it to 12 hours in the difference and just start doing things at all weird hours yeah. to make sure you can line up with your friends on the East Coast. All right, let's start rolling through some of these games. Uh, we're going to start with Miami and goes in and plays the Dolphins. They have a college football Wait, type spread here. The uh, minus 18 and a half road favorites against the Dolphins team that – could pause, you know, it's very much in play that they don't win a game this year. Famous last words with NFL because some of this stuff just happens and it's fluky. And these are all um, quote unquote professionals when the day is done. Although the Dolphins do seem like they have less of them. And after the, it only took one game for some of their, for the, to come out that the guys basically the final whistle hadn't even blown and they were calling their agents requesting trades. I don't know where they think they're going. These guys think. So anyway, uh, they're 18 and a half point, the, the Patriots are 18 and a half point favorites. Is this just too much to start considering? We didn't talk about any Patriots in the Cash Game podcast yesterday. Right now, we haven't really downgraded too many of their key skill guys. And so there, some of them are creeping around Cash Games. They are going to, I guess, get Antonio Brown here, though there's some weirdness with the, he's got some allegations against him right now. I don't want to get into like all that stuff, but it's, I guess there's some uncertainty whether he's going to play. But really, let's just look at the 18-and-a-half. Is it just too much? Are we talking just blowout style where these guys don't see the fourth quarter? Is that enough to turn you off to this game? Or... Is just like 33.25 implied points is really one of the highest you'll ever see. What are your thoughts here on the Patriots? Forget the Dolphins. Who cares about them? What are your thoughts on the Patriots? Yeah, I think the only like quote-unquote safe Patriot might be Tom Brady, but uh, we also saw last year and this year as well, it's not out of the question that they're just going to try to run the ball in when they get down and close, right? We saw three running backs um, be actively used last week. So, yeah, I don't think we can go ahead and 
and pencil anyone in as a safe play here. Uh, I think Antonio Brown actually just muddies the waters even further. Uh, I might be interested in someone like Edelman, uh, who seemed to be a rock-solid option last week. But again, if Brown is there, who knows how many of Edelman's targets will be shifted around because, you know, Brown's a guy who, one of the very few guys in the entire league that can command 10 targets a game. And you, you can imagine that if he does play in light of these legal allegations, that he'll that the Patriots will want to do like a little F you, like just give him 10 targets as well. Like it seems highly unlikely to me that he'll just go out there and have, you know, one target and be a decoy or something like that. So yeah, I, uh, for me, it's, it's generally speaking a stay away for cash games, but obviously for big tournaments, any team with a 33 plus implied total is going to be in play there. Yeah. 18 and a half, a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Sonny Michelle, 15 attempts for 14 total yards. I'll say he was really the only Patriot that really couldn't get anything going in that game against the Steelers. Mm -hmm. I do think you're going to see some ownership on the, even though that's expensive, you're probably going to see some ownership on the Patriots defense here simply because Miami Mm -hmm. is just so bad. And the Pats defense did look very good last week. So uh, they're, they're expensive for a reason. And I hate to do it because it's really hard to pay up for defense, and this just might be one of those situations where it's hard to imagine the Dolphins getting much of anything going. But I don't know. Sometimes these big games with late scores and stuff like that when the other team has turned it off. So I think we pretty much agree. Probably a stay away from cash. Uh, It's really not even so much of a GPP play for me, too. I just think there's just too many guys. It's hard to imagine one guy just completely crushing for the Patriots. I just think they have too many skill guys at this point. So take take a guy if you want to. I don't think that's a direction I'm going to go. Chargers go in and play the Lions. The injury news here is that Hunter Henry is going to be out for, I don't think it's the whole season, but he's definitely out um, for at least a few weeks. He's got, I can't remember what it was, a tibia fracture or something like that. They announced it really late too. They said he had had it during the game, and then the news didn't even come out till today that he had been hurt. So there's people kind of getting a little pissed about that, about how long it took them to report that he was hurt. Anyway, he's out. No clear... No clear option, I don't think, for a tight end to come in. Do you, we talked about Eckler, though, and I read a stat that when the when they had lost tight end play last year, that the, the a lot of those passes just end up going to the running backs. There was like a 15% increase to targeting targets to the running backs when they started playing less of a tight end scheme. Do you think that kind of – does that hearing a stat like that make you even more on Eckler? I mean, I, I, we might be just trending Eckler toward 100% play here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I like, I like Eckler already, so any data that – points to him being an even better play just only sweetens the deal for me uh tight end has been a position for the chargers that has brought fantasy value in the past i will say that i don't see any like obvious guys that you're going to want to plug and play if we do get word that someone is just going to essentially you know just inherit henry's snaps all these guys on FanDuel right now are four thousand dollars so they would probably pretty close to become a lock of a play so definitely keep an eye out on that but Right now, it's there's a lot of potential options, and without any precedent, you are taking on some amount of risk there. Yeah, uh, I pretty much agree there. I don't really, I don't think like a you know a Virgil Green or someone like that stepping in is not something I'd probably be interested in. It is worth a note that the these Lions gave up over 300 yards passing to Kyler Murray last week. I know the game went to overthime, and they had to yeah, throw a lot whole in the extra second quarter. half. I mean. Yeah, yeah, but but they, I agree. I, I mentioned, I said that. Um, um, and I'm also saying, and he, but he also was really bad in the first half. So a lot of this came in the second half when he started to figure it out. I, I'm mostly speaking to say that I don't know if they're 
pass defense is all that strong. That the Chargers are favorites here. What are your thoughts on Keenan Allen? Like, do we want to be even more aggressive with his targets? He's a guy we were happy to play in week one. Um, I'm not sure. We did not mention him as a cash game play yesterday, but do you feel like with Henry out? And also, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention Mike Williams is very much in doubt as well. Um, mm-hmm. there, that news came out too. So they could, they're definitely without Henry, and it's looking more and more likely they're going to be without Mike Williams in the passing game too. Do we want to just go overboard with Allen here with the targets, or is there just a point at which we really can't go much higher because there are just going to be other wide receivers on the field even if Williams didn't play? No, I think you can probably tick Allen up slightly. I mean, I think, first of all, Allen is already just an undervalued receiver at 7,700. Uh, he had 10 targets last week against the Colts. And, you know, basically no one will average 10 targets over the course of an entire season. But we've seen Allen, when healthy, be a guy that, that can be in that range. And I think a reasonable comp last week uh, was what Larry Fitzgerald did against the Lions. Uh, Fitzgerald, probably not as talented as Allen is at this point in his career, uh, but runs similar routes coming out of the slot a lot. And, you know, if Allen is a more skilled version of Fitzgerald, and I think regardless of Murray's talent, you probably have to say that Rivers is probably still, you know, a better quarterback. I think uh, that this pairing could probably do something interesting here. Yeah, um, I again, I, I've ticked him up to about little over 10 targets. I think that's actually pretty safe if they're just yeah, going to be so. this low on it. And I think we've seen that they will kind of just force the ball to Allen at times if there's just Rivers specifically, if there are no other options. So um, I think with, I think there's a chance we're just going to be pretty aggressive, at least Eckler and Allen here. And then we'll have to wait on news from Mike Allen. Or, excuse me, from Mike Williams. Detroit, um, they... We saw TJ Hawkinson get a lot of targets last week. We saw Amendola get a ton of targets. We talked about him, specific, Amendola specifically, on the Cash Game podcast. Uh, Karrion Johnson did outsnap CJ Anderson, though wasn't wasn't able to get a ton going. Anything else? We've talked about Hawkinson any, and Amendola. Anything else you like here on the Lions side of the ball? Yeah, I still think Galladay's interesting. Uh, the price is down a little bit on him. He wasn't as targeted or as good on the targets as I would have assumed for week one. I mean, he did get nine targets against Arizona. Again, all the you know, stats on an absolute basis are going to be slightly inflated, given that not only did they play overtime, but it wasn't one of these games that ended on the first drive in overtime either. Um, but he only got one target in overtime. So, you know, I guess that doesn't color things too much. But yeah, I, I think especially for big tournaments, um, he is a guy with double target or double digit target, you know, one to two touchdowns sort of upside. So I don't want to sleep on him if you're going to go that direction in big tournaments either. Yeah, we mentioned that Kenny Galladay could see uh, Casey Hayward here, not a fantastic matchup. He's going to draw shadow coverage. So fine avoiding him. Do like some of the other receivers. Hard to get really into the running game. I guess I suppose if you think Stafford can spread the ball out a little bit more and the running game can't get anything going, he's a fairly interesting GPP play. Again, we, we don't tend to play the non-running quarterbacks too much in some of these contests just because I do think just the ground stuff tends to just win the day for a lot of us or for us most of the time. All right, Cowboys and Redskins. So yesterday we talked on the Cash Game podcast about needing to hear Ezekiel Elliott news or something before you specifically, and I guess I'm going to have to end up following suit here, uh, hearing news about Zeke, about what their plan was going to be going forward, at least for this week. And I'm going to read you the note that came out of, uh, out of Dallas camp. They said, Coach Jason Garrett to the team will, quote, be mindful of how little practice time Ezekiel had this summer. That's really all he said. And I guess people thought that it hinted toward something more like a split again because they just think that he hasn't practiced enough to get the full load. Does hearing a note like that was like, is this kind of all you needed to hear to not give Zeke the full run of touches? Or would this be just like more coach speak speculation? This seems, this is not as clear as that he's only going to, you know, get 25 snaps or whatever they said last week. This is more in, inferring uh, based on something Garrett said. 
Yeah, I just want to know what the upside is of playing Ezekiel Elliott with an uncertain snap count at 8,500. Like, I just don't... Like, he's a guy you would play at 8,500. He would be probably in most of our cash game lineups if he, at least on FanDuel, at those prices, if you knew he was going to get his full run. But that's just... Like, I don't know how you're not just terrified when you hear something like that. Like, that would be one of the two running backs you would play in a given week is a guy who they're going to be mindful of his lack of practice so far. Uh, I just don't. I just don't see any reason to do that when there's plenty of other good running back plays, like like Christian McCaffrey sitting there in a similar price range. And you're just not, not in the main. Not in the. Not in, He's not on the main slate. He plays Thursday. He plays Thursday night. Uh, so, but so that's Alvin not a, Kamara. Like I mean, there's there's just guys who are running backs who just don't have these question marks. I guess is my major point, and I don't see any reason to pay up for Zeke in that context. So, yeah, I won't. I won't play him if that's the last thing we hear. Yeah, this one's getting close to me. I'm. I think we're probably trending toward being a week late on him when it's all said and done. Like if this was the week that he went like 18 and five or something like that, 19 and five, it wouldn't totally shock me because this does seem less definitive than the exact sort of this is the plan with him for week one. And I get that it's probably not worth the risk for cash games. I think it is. I think it's definitely worth the risk for tournaments. I think we've seen. Look, the coaches don't tell the truth all the time, right? Like, Le'Veon Bell is going to get spelled because as he works his way into the Jets lineup and then all of a sudden he plays every single snap. Well, what were you missing out on by not playing Bell last week, I guess is my question. Like, like if you want to be... Like, I guess for big tournaments, I totally understand, right? You can can fade the coach speak and and get a guy lower owned than usual. In cash games... So let's put it... Let me kick it back to you here. Will you play Zeke in cash? But this is the final note on him. He's seven percent owned. Are you excited? Do you think you have value, or are you just crapping yourself because you're now like if he only gets ten carries again or whatever, then you're just out on an island with a, a, your most expensive player only getting twenty snaps. Like I, I just, I, ju- I just said I wasn't going to play him in cash. I just said a GPP. I made that distinction yeah. two seconds ago. I, I like so I don't know why why we're rolling through that again. I said that we're only <laughs> I wasn't going to play him in cash. I'm saying that you can. I'm saying for. I, Whatever we don't need to rehash it. I, I said the same thing. All right, whatever. Let's let's move on. Um, the Cowboys receiving core. Dak went over 400 yards, and threw a, a pretty easy 400 yards passing for <laughs> for the Cowboys last week with both Gallup and Cooper getting a decent amount of targets. Randall Cobb kind of worked his way in as well. Where are your thoughts here? On maybe on is Dak? How close is Dak as a, to a cash game play? Um, based on some of what he did last week, and they did definitely did, ran a little bit of a d- different scheme with more three wide receiver sets, tr- trying to put him in better spots with the new offensive coordinator. I don't know. We have, we didn't mention him last week, but or as, as a cash game play, but how close is Dak here? The, the Dallas ca- offense just looked pretty potent in Week One. Yeah, I think Dak is another guy that I wouldn't really feel the need to stick my neck out on for cash games, and you know this is kind of like. You know, after we've done a cash game podcast, I'm just going to say this about most guys who didn't make it onto our cash game podcast. So uh, maybe that's like a spoiler or something. But um, yeah, so I think Dak is a fine. Like, I, you know, he's a good player. But like with most things, I'm not going to radically adjust my assumptions about a guy after one week. And if I'm just comparing him to other options in a similar price range, uh, like Carson Wentz is the same price. I think I'd prefer him. Uh, even Josh Allen, you know, if I'm just going for strictly upside I think I prefer Allen there. Uh, Dak obviously showed that he's capable of big things. It was an absolutely ideal matchup against the Giants, though, so I'm just going to try not to get carried away. Yeah, I like that he ran four times. Um, I think that we can probably, again, be pretty bullish on the Dallas offense this season. They seem like they just have a lot of weapons 
in general, especially if Gallup is just going to be a legit wide receiver two type guy, like that can if, if they're going to run Cooper and Gallup out there as I'm not going to put either of them in the wide definitely I'm not going to put Cooper in the wide receiver one elite group, but he's excellent and we've seen him have huge games. But if Gallup is just going to be a guy that also can now have huge games with a little more consistency. Yeah, that this is a this is a really potent offense once they get Zeke running, running too. So I think anytime you get that, I think Dak is probably in play for GBPs. I wouldn't I'm agree with you that we wouldn't run him out there for cash. Uh, but he's shown the kind of upside that you want to see 400 yards and a bunch of touchdowns. Is he was you know second only to Lamar Jackson in terms of overall fantasy points last week. All right, let's keep rolling here. Uh, well, actually, one other news and note from the Redskins is that uh, Geis is going to sit out here and Adrian Peterson is going to get the start. Uh, do you have any, any interest in this Washington running game at all? Or it's just kind of like this team no. looks bad and we move on? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think actually, I think you know, so. Chris Thompson's still lurking there too. I think if I knew it was only going to be Peterson, uh, we saw him, you know, do a little damage in that regard last year. I think, yeah, again, if you're only in the big tournament train, you can consider it. But yeah, with Chris Thompson there playing the third down, I would be pretty remiss to recommend them for cash. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty much on you there. They just look like a bad team. I, 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 even the 21 implied points for <laughs> the Redskins seems a little high to me based on this offense, but uh, famous last words on that. Dallas is four-and-a-half-point favorites. It came down from six-and-a-half to four-and-a-half, which is a little weird, but four-and-a-half on the road is uh, still a pretty big number. Jacksonville goes in to face the Texans. Texans are nine-and-a-half-point favorites against the Jags, who are going to start Gardner Minshew at all. Have you seen the pictures of what Gardner Minshew – have you seen a picture of what Gardner Minshew looks like? I saw his head on FanDuel. I haven't seen like his whole body. If, if that is, I mean, he looks like detail. a guy. He looks like a guy on the opposing bar league softball team that's like about forty years old. I, I just it's so crazy. This guy looks. He's twenty three years old. He's like the oldest looking twenty three. Not in a good way, by the way. Like not like super mature. <laughs> like this guy was easily, easily going in and buying beer when he was like fifteen years old without much of an effort, I would say. Like, there's just no, probably just based on his size too, but like, yeah, go look at a picture of this guy with the mustache and everything. He's just the craziest looking dude that's an NFL quarterback. Anyway, he's going to get the start <laughs> for the Jags. Uh, okay. They have 16, <laughs> I do the guy's, the guy's, you know, a football player or whatever. I'm, not, I, I'm mostly just shocked by it because he looked like, I just can't, I couldn't get over it. I kept looking, just staring at the pictures. Like, this guy's 23, just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> All right, so um, they're at nine, nine and a half point underdogs here to the Texans. Give me your thoughts here on Houston. We've seen just another week of Deshaun, or excuse me, DeAndre Hopkins getting just force-fed the ball by Deshaun Watson. It just seems like an every week thing. It looks like it doesn't look like he's going to draw Jalen Ramsey shadow coverage here. What do you, if anything, want to do here with the Texans side of the ball, and then we can talk about the Jags. Yeah, I think I'm pretty down, like pretty into Hopkins. Actually, I think he was basically you know one of the only big name wide receivers coming out of big or week one that had the target share and the production that we would have hoped to see. Uh, 13 targets, eight catches for 111 and two touchdowns. I think if I'm picking big name wide receivers right now, he has to be the first guy that I'm looking at. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty much my general take on him. Um, I think, you know, Sammy Watkins is a guy who like might be his equal, like just in terms of production, he's far cheaper. So you'd, you'd probably take Watkins instead and take the savings. But if you can play Watkins in cash, and fit Hopkins in there, I'd be open to them. Duke Johnson was really effective when they actually gave him the ball. He had 14 touches for 90 total yards. They just didn't seem to want to give him the ball every time. I don't know if it's just going to be a size issue, and they don't think that he can be a kind of ground-and-pound guy, kind of guy. They do have Carlos Hyde there, too, so that's always going to kind of muddy up the works when you're just looking at uh, running back by committee stuff. So, uh, I mean, any interest in the Texans running game? Mostly, I'm mostly saying that because when we see this 9.5-point home favorites, this tends to be the sweet spot where we want to grab a running game and I'm just not sure we can trust 
we can, I'm not sure we can trust just outsized users for either one of those guys. Yeah, you're not going to play either of those guys for cash games. I mean, it's a it's basically a timeshare. It's the same situation Duke Johnson found himself in in Cleveland, incidentally. And we see that some guy, sometimes guys just get this tag put on them where they're a third down back or a change of pace back, and they never shed it. So uh, there's only a few teams in the NFL these days that really like to seem to go to the three down back, and the Texans just aren't one of them right now. Yeah, it's it's a it's pretty rare at this point. There's only a few of them uh, on the Jacksonville side of the ball. The target share. So DJ Chark was the guy with the, had the big game. He had caught four balls for 146 yards and a touchdown. That was on four targets. So he caught all four of his targets for just about as good as you can make four targets be in one game. Chris Conley actually led the team in targets uh, with seven. He went six for 97 uh, with a touchdown. And then our boy Didi Westbrook went <laughs> six targets, five for 30, and then luck box his way into a touchdown. It looks like Minshew would look at least look capable. They have very few points going up on the board. Is there any reason to go back to any of these guys in a game? These guys, I mean the wide receivers, in a game that it looks like they're going to be playing catch-up. Probably not. Um, you know, one of the things that we always point out going into a season or whenever there's a big change of scenery for a given team is that oftentimes that shakes up the hierarchy among the wide receivers unless you have a clear-cut guy like DeAndre Hopkins or something. Uh, and so, you know, we were very bullish on D.D. Westbrook coming into the season. I think many people were after week one where he, you know, targets towards him were the least quality targets among any of those guys you listed. I would be surprised if he just steps right back in and becomes, you know, the eight to 10 target a game guy that many people predicted he would be. So if that's not going to be the case, uh, you probably won't want to go back to the well there. I mean, he's still pretty cheap, so I, I suppose you could consider it. But for me, I think I'll dabble with these guys trying to make guesses um, for big tournaments. I don't think I'm not that interested in Shark, to be honest, but I think Conley, very interesting. And I think Westbrook, too, uh, just because people will be off it going into this week. But yeah, for cash games, I don't think I want to stick my neck out there. One guy that I find just be very interesting here, and I was, I'm going to say it about him and one other guy, is Fournette. So Fournette, they were getting pretty much, they lost this game by a lot to the Chiefs. Fournette still touched the ball a ton, considering they, he, uh, Fournette touched the ball 19 times in a game that was kind of just, you know, decided <laughs> with, not, with, with a decent amount of time left. I'm always interested in guys like this. We just mentioned that there aren't many three-down backs in the league anymore, but it really looks like Fournette is one of them. He played on 50 of the 58 offensive snaps for the Jags. Is there just a lot of safety in the way they're going to use him? They used him in a game. They used him this much in a game they lost. It feels like a game where they can even keep it close. Um, he could just be looking at like 25 touches a game, maybe fairly easily. How much value do you put in that kind of usage? Because at this point, there's very few guys that I would project for that kind of number, and I, I'm going to definitely put at this point Fournette in that group yeah so Fournette sort of reminds me of maybe like Nick Chubb at the end of last season or Fournette from previous seasons actually where uh, if you think the game script is going to go in his favor the upside is absolutely tremendous um, like I think the Jags plan especially now with Minshew under center is to run the ball as often as they can and they'll spend the whole first half trying to establish the run and if the game is remotely close I think that's what they want to do I think they rightfully view Fournette as their best skill position player so yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all to see him. I mean, he'll have a 30-touch game at some point this season, would be my guess. Uh, the, the devil becomes trying to figure out when that's going to be because, you know, especially now with a rookie quarterback who is sort of an unknown. I mean, he had one good week, but who knows, right, going forward. He wasn't a high prospect or anything like that. Going in as nine-point underdogs here against the Texans, <laughs> a lot has to go right, I guess, for, for this to be the week that Fournette goes out there and pops off. 
It's mostly just that he got the six targets. Like, he was second on the team in targets. That's really where I'm saying, like, he's probably at this point, you can project him for at least a solid floor because he's not going to leave the field. That's mostly what I'm saying is that if he's not going to leave the field and games are losing, then you have incredible upside for the games to actually get it going. So this is where um, there's just a lot of there's just a lot of safety in guys like this. We'll mention Saquon Barkley is a similar guy. Like, the Giants are going to be underdogs a lot of this season, and there's just going to be uh, they're just going to be he's going to if they're on the field this much in a position <laughs> that they play I just think that Fournette yeah like 25 touches is probably reasonable to start thinking about um in even his negative game scripts last thing is uh la- the Texans allowed over seven yards per carry to Kamara and Latavius Murray last week Murray did bust off one of those as a long run so um say what you want after one week of, of rushing data but um they did allow a lot of rushing yards last time around if you're headed to a game this year and you need tickets, there's only one place to go, and that's Vivid Seats. It's super easy. You go to the App Store, download the Vivid Seats app, you use the promo code OVERTIME, that's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and you save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. Once again, Vivid Seats, use the promo code OVERTIME, it's that easy, get tickets, go to the game, you won't regret it. Let's keep rolling. San Francisco goes in to play Cincinnati. Tevin Coleman is out. Um, Burita did lead the team in snaps last week and touches. He actually carried the ball 16 times in his 30 snaps. So when he was on the field, it seemed like the plan was to give him the ball. We mentioned Kittle yesterday as well. Uh, Any other thoughts here? I mean, do you have any trust in the San Francisco running game? Or have we seen just too many times where they just they're going to do a committee as well they did it last it seemed like they did it more than almost any other team last year uh san francisco running game and then beyond kittle is there anything you can get excited about in the passing game well you'd be crazy to play anyone besides kittle for cash games i mean no one else had more than three targets right so i don't think uh that's where you're going to go and i think even the running game i think i don't really get it even for big tournaments i mean brita has shown some upside there from time to time but uh, it's just that if you're recommending Breeder for big tournaments, you might as well just say, and, and you can play anyone in big tournaments. So, no, I'm not going to touch anyone outside of Kittle, really in any type of contest this week. This line actually shifted a little bit where it um, it shifted a lot of it. It, was, it started off as one and a half point road favorite for the Niners and is completely shifted to minus two for the Bengals. Mixon was banged up a little bit. They're slight favorites, although minus two favorites at home is really probably an un, a slight underdog, but, you know, whatever. They're still projected for more points. Joe Mixon is a guy that people were high on going into this year that thought that he could, you know, produce some in the Cincinnati offense. Getting banged up didn't hurt him the week one. Could you see a situation where we, if he was, you know, deemed 100% healthy, like a bounce-back, very low-owned kind of guy in Mixon this week um, against a San Francisco 49ers defense that has allowed uh, a bunch of yards in the past. What are your thoughts here on the Bengals? I'm mostly just interested that this line completely shifted. What are your thoughts here on the Bengals' offense? Give me your thoughts on Mixon, then you can roll into the wide receivers if you want to. Yeah, so Mixon, um, it's a very crowded price tier, that mid-7,000s range on FanDuel, so I don't think I'll be rolling him out there this week. Um, You know me, I'm, I'm generally pretty conservative with injury stuff. He didn't play at practice on Wednesday, which is always a troubling sign. Uh, his coach, Zach Taylor, did suggest that he could not practice very much but still suit up against the 49ers. But given that they have such a great third-down option in Gio Bernard, a good pass-catching back, a guy who we've seen them even hand off bell cow duties to in the past, I just don't see him going out there and 
you know, carrying the ball 22 times or whatever, uh, especially if this ankle sprain is serious enough for him to be missing multiple days of practice. So, yeah, right now I will not be touching Mixon. I, I suppose that a definitive declaration that he's 100% healthy or something could change that going forward, but not right now. I'm not going to bother. Yeah, and then we did talk at length about the Boyd and John Ross group of wide receivers. Wrote them up as cash game plays. I didn't really have it. I didn't write them up with a ton of conviction, mostly because there was this group we mentioned yesterday. There was this group of guys in all in the same tier, uh, this like kind of mid tier um, on both sites where I think you could, you know, there's the Arizona guys and there's the Cincinnati guys and there was a few other ones. Uh, so I, I do think there's there are options there um, for both Ross and Boyd, and I wouldn't call them either must play cash game plays, and I wouldn't blame you if you if you went there as well. So kind of take that for what it's worth. I know I try to have a little more conviction around some of these plays, but I, I like them, don't love them. Let's say that. All right, Bills go in and play the Giants. We mentioned Josh Allen as a naked quarterback option uh, for cash games this week, just based on his skill set. Anything else to get excited here for the Buffalo offense? We mentioned Devin Singletary did really outsnap. Uh, well, Yeldon didn't really play at all. Uh, he did outsnap Frank Gore uh, last week, so, uh, 48 to 19. Though he only touched the ball 10 total times, and Gore actually touched the ball 11 times. So figure that one out. And then on the wide receiver side, uh, John Brown kind of just busted it out of nowhere for seven, 123, and a touchdown. He had been. We had brought up him his kind of deep threat abilities with Josh Allen. What are your thoughts on Brown here? Ten targets, um, really big game. Allen will chuck the deep ball. Uh, give me your thoughts on Brown, and then if you want to say anything about Singletary, go go for that as well. Yeah, I like Brown. I think you always have to keep an eye out. These early season wide receivers, sometimes things just wind up looking crazy because random guys come out of nowhere and have these big weeks and then kind of return to obscurity over time. And if it was just the middle of the season and John Brown had ten targets in a random game, I think you'd probably be like, okay, who cares? But yeah, when it's week one, there's some some evidence to suggest that this was the plan, right? Uh, week one tends to be when teams have their wits about them the most. They've been spending all offseason making a plan, and uh, certainly John Brown could be a big part of that, especially given that you know not a lot of pass catchers have been successful with Josh Allen under center. So they've got to really be holding on to anything they can see there. Um, he's still very, very cheap. So if you're just chasing upside, I do think he's an excellent play. Uh, you mentioned the running game. I wouldn't go anywhere near this running game right now. Yeah, these guys are cheap, but that that exact split that you're talking about, uh, that part where uh, Singletary has more snaps but fewer overall touches, that's such a red flag to me, actually, for running backs because running backs tend to get the ball when the plan is to give them the ball. You know, unlike, say, wide receivers where you can have a first read, but then sometimes that first read isn't there, and then you can look down the chart and go to the second and third options and so on. Running backs, I mean, sometimes, yeah, they're the outlet in the passing game and everything breaks down, but by and large, the team decides how often you get the ball. So I'm not as concerned about the snap count with him. I think the fact that he only carried the ball four times, uh, he was targeted six times in the passing game, was fine, but not super effective. I wouldn't, I, I just don't see any reason why you would go that way, really in any contest for this week. Yeah, I, like, I agree with you. When the, the snaps are there and the touches aren't, it's such a weird thing. You actually really don't see that there very often, to just be on the field that much and touch the ball so little. It's just, it kind of just threw me off when I saw it, almost like there was a mistake. There's not a mistake, but it's just, it, having looked at these snap counts and this kind of usage stuff for a lot of years now, it's just, when you see those numbers, it kind of just say, like, what was, maybe I should kind of want to go back and just watch the snaps where he was on to see what exactly was happening. Um, I rarely ever want to watch any tape because I'm just not a tape guy, but that was, that was one of those situations where I was like, what the, hell was, what the hell was he doing when he was on the field? On the Giants side, the Giants are projecting to be terrible all year. Uh, I think that's not really news. 
What is interesting, though, is that they have these guys that are still sort of fantasy viable, and I'm just wondering, and maybe this is just kind of a theme that we're going to be talking about this week because I feel like there's a bunch of situations like this. We sort of mentioned it with Fournette, too. Guys like Barkley and Ingram and, I guess, to some degree, Sterling Shepard, like, they're all still kind of fantasy viable. Like, Saquon Barkley still had 139 yards from scrimmage last week and only 17 touches. That's excellent. That's an excellent amount of yards for how little he kind of basically touched the ball between the rushing attempts and the targets. He gets a sort of a better matchup here against the Bills. I mean, like, I don't know. I guess but it kind of gets started giving Barkley close to a full run, and he might be a guy that's creeping around cash games as well. Ingram possibly too. What are your thoughts here on a, another running back, a, you know, elite usage running back in a on a bad team? Yeah, so I mean, for starters, Barkley is just terrific. I, I really like Barkley. I don't, you know, he's the most expensive guy, so that's the only thing that's ever holding you back. But uh, to your point about what happened last week, the fact that he could get 139 yards from scrimmage in a game where nothing could have gone worse. He did have his first fumble, which, uh, you know, was rare to see, but I think that yeah, Barkley is just a terrific talent. And he's a guy, like you were talking earlier, man, I don't even remember about who now. But the idea that like, oh, Fournette, Barkley is like what you're fantasizing about when it comes to Fournette, where he really will get the ball no matter what. And if the game just happens to be close, which it won't often be for the Giants, uh, he could absolutely pop off and you know score 35 fantasy points in a given week. So very enthusiastic about his prospects. Um, again, if I was comparing him to say someone like Zeke, Happily pay the extra 700 for a guy like Barkley going into this week. Uh, really, in any contest, I think people, you know, sometimes do sleep on him a little bit because it really is truly boomer bust uh, and sort of game script dependent sometimes. But yeah, I really like him. And you nodded to the Giants passing game as well. I actually think they're a little bit slept on. I mean, yes, there's not a whole lot of talent here, but uh, between Ingram and Shepard and so on, they're going to throw the ball some decent amount of times just because they sort of have to, right? <laughs> like, they're just, they're just going to be down uh, by that much. They can't give the ball to Barkley every single time. So there should be targets to spread around. And if you can forecast where those go, you know, a lot of these guys are pretty cheap. So this is uh, this is not a game I'll be ignoring. It's so weird on Barkley, just to go back to him for one second. Like, last year, he, he had a ton of yards. He had a ton of usage. And then if you look at his, like, long runs, he had – 68-yarder, a 78-yarder, a 51-yarder, a 50-yarder, a 68-yarder. And then last week he had a ton of yards, but he also had a 59-yard run. And part of you says, well, you just can't keep breaking off these huge runs. Guys just don't do this, this consi- like I'm in quotes, consistently. And so you keep waiting for it to not happen, and then it just still seems like he just busts these long runs. I, I guess that's the only thing that worries me a little bit on him. It's just like at some point he's just not going to do this once every three games, just busting off a 60-yard run. And he just also the kind of guy that can do it as well. So, I don't know. Barkley, I, he's close for me. He does still strike me as a little boomer bust just because of those long runs. Uh, and I'm with you on the passing game. Uh, Ingram, if, if Eli Manning just can't throw the ball down the field anymore, which he really can't, then Ingram just could be like this elite target guy on a week-to-week basis. And it's the Giants, and they're going to stink most of the season. All right. Minnesota goes in and plays Green Bay. Both of these teams played super weird sort of script games in week one. Uh, Cousins end up throwing 10 total passes against the Falcons last week, which is just, you know, you're never going to see that unless you're running the option like you're at Army, the Army-Navy game or something like that, where they just, those two teams just run the option the whole game and it's just super boring. Or, and you get, then you get Green Bay, where really nothing happened at all the whole game in that Thursday night game against the Bears. What do we want to do when it comes to making, you know, do we want to just hold on tight to our preseason projections for these teams and just really not make any adjustments? I just feel like we didn't get any takeaways from the first game for either one of these teams. Yeah, I think that's often where I land, you know, so early in the season, you know, I think people do fall into this trap of 
wanting to overreact in the NFL because we get games so infrequently. I think if, you know, we did, we had the luxury of doing this in Major League Baseball or the NBA, for instance, where we get games pretty much constantly and we can look at one game and say, ah, it's one game, you know, like there's going to be so many, we're not going to touch anything at all. So I think if your intuition is this was a weird game, we didn't really learn a ton from it. We sort of have to, you know, move on and, and just live with it and just kind of stick to our preseason guns. I think that's appropriate, especially with these two teams. I mean, like I think we talked about in the last podcast, but like Cousins isn't going to throw the ball just 10 times and that just throws everything off, right? That's going to give more usage to the running game than probably they normally would get. It's going to make guys like Thielen look unplayable, even though he was like 35% in cash. So yeah, I, uh, I think I'm generally with you here. I think looking to Vegas in terms of the potential game script here, following your preseason guns would be pretty appropriate. My only concern on the Green Bay side of the ball is that people had projected Aaron Jones to be something more like an every down back or at least a you know three to one in terms of snap count over Jamal Williams. That really just wasn't the case at all. 38 to 26 uh, in terms of snaps last week. Jones did carry the ball three times, so only saw one target. I think we can pretty we can have some downward guidance on if you were projecting him to be you know a 15 carry three target kind of guy. It just doesn't seem like that's going to be the case based on the snap counts. And they might just have seen something in that game. But I don't know. That, that's like the one takeaway I want to take from these two teams in, in, in weird games. Like I'm not going to go crazy about the Devontae Adams eight targets or whatever. Um, I think that you're going to, that was, you know, the Bears defense is still very good. So I don't think that's going to be, that's going to be crazy. I did see a stat that was sort of troubling that Aaron Rodgers was still incredibly uh, inaccurate, even on the balls that his incompletions, like the, his incompletions were kind of nowhere close. So if people were starting to think there might be some, uh, you know, the future's come early on Aaron Rodgers getting old. Maybe these are some troubling signs, but probably going to wait another week to see um, kind of where he lands in terms of what he's going to be able to do in the offense. All right, Seattle goes in and plays Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, four-point favorites at home here. You mentioned John Connor. Or, John, John Connor. Connor I'm thinking, John Terminator, Terminator, baby. Oh, you know, <laughs> that's my favorite. I'll, I'm going to do that forever. I love the Terminator franchise. I, it's like the, the one franchise I keep going back to. It's, I got my TV writing stars writing about Sarah, the Sarah Connor Chronicles uh, for Cinema Blend. So shout out to uh, my first TV writing gig on, on that old show that lasted for a season and a half. Anyway, James, James Connor, um, we talked about him as a cash game play. Does it make you concerned? I went back and looked at the game log, um, how they used Jalen Samuels. And Samuels played, I know because we talked to the game was a blowout, and that might have been some of where his run came from. Um, he played on two of the first five series as like the primary running back. When you hear something like that, does that make you concerned that James Conner maybe isn't just going to be this every down back? Because Samuels was part of the plan early. Like he was in on the second drive as the primary running back. Are you worried at all when, um, from a cash game perspective, I know you wrote of James Conner when you see something like that. Not especially. Um, you know, I did look at that. I, I think probably I'm looking at, the, at that game as more of a throwaway than you are. Uh, whatever Samuel's snap count was, the guy touched the ball four total times, um, or touched the ball three times. One of those was a target that he couldn't convert. He turned those four four plays that were drawn up for him into six total yards. So, you know, Connor was nothing special in week one either. But like we've said many times, Pittsburgh is one of these teams with a really, really long track record under Tomlin of just having one running back they stick with. So maybe if Samuels had popped off or if he had actually had, say, 10 plays drawn up for him and turned those into... 40 yards or more, then I would be a little bit more concerned, but I just can't be concerned after week one. I, I think 
we're winding up getting a pretty good buy low opportunity on Connor here. And I think Pittsburgh will look to establish a run against Seattle. You know, have a more normal game script where the other team just doesn't have possession after possession where they're uh, driving the ball down their throat. So, you know, it could be that they just can't establish the run. But I think especially given the current situation with the passing game there, you know, obviously the loss of Antonio Brown, but Juju being banged up too. It's just so hard for me to believe that Connor won't be a 16 to 20 touch guy just as a floor with upside for much more. So uh, that's my operating assumption. I could be wrong. I could be talked out of Connor for cash. If you can show me two to three running backs that are better plays than him, for sure. So, you know, I did write him up, but like we, you know, always disclaim in our, our write-ups there, you know, nothing is set in stone on Tuesday when we write that article. So, um, yep, keeping an open mind, but I would be fine if I saw Connor's name in the cash games by the end of the week. Yeah, he's, he's a close one. I'm not, I'm not totally dissuaded from it. I was mostly just want to throw out like this kind of like script thing. It, by the way, I, I, the, the second part of that, which I was going to bring up when we were done, was that um, Connor was, even in the blowout, Connor was getting the run at, even late in the game. It was, just, it was just interesting that Samuel got like the run early. It's almost like it feels like it should have been the other way around. Like Samuel should have been playing in this game when it was essentially over. That really wasn't the case. He actually got his touches early. I mean, I know he didn't get a ton of touches. I'm saying his sna- his snaps were early and Connors were late. It was just like a very weird thing. So I guess like the the early thing kind of threw me off, and then I guess I was feeling better about it when I saw what was happening near the end of the game. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Chris Carson got a ton of touches. Looked pretty effective here. They are underdogs here, going on the road, having to fly across the country into Pittsburgh. Um, does that that does that part of it kind of downgrade him at all, or are you still feeling fair? I know we said you were like not feeling great about Carson, but it was just kind of it was hard to ignore how much usage you got. Uh, just nod to that, and then talk to me about Russell Wilson in a game where they could be playing catch up here, and we've seen Russell Wilson just kind of be a naked quarterback at times, even when he doesn't have all the weapons at his disposal. Yeah, so to start with Carson, I think he falls in this large group of guys that I would be okay playing with, but not necessarily thrilled with playing. And that's uh, that's just the unfortunate reality this week. I mean, if I don't sound too thrilled about the running back situation, it's because there's just not a lot of thrilling running backs, right? I mean, when we look at the guys that are actually available on the main slate, you have, like, if you just go in sort of salary order, and we've talked about a lot of these guys already, but you have Barkley, who we like, but very expensive. You're essentially... Uh, constructing your whole lineup around him, and that means you're going to have to pay down somewhere else. Uh, Zeke, we expressed concerns about. We haven't gotten to Kamara yet, but he's also very expensive. Um, we talked about uh, Dalvin Cook briefly, tough matchup with Green Bay, you know, all-time high price. Then you're down to Connor, Austin Eckler, who we like this week, uh, Derek Henry, who just seems like you're buying at the absolute peak of his value. Same thing with Mark Ingram uh, going against Arizona when he got outcarried by Edwards last week. Mixon, who we discussed, Carson, Marlon Mack, like David Johnson against Baltimore, then Gurley, who was in a pure timeshare, and then it goes on from there. So there just aren't a lot of great running backs or like clear call, this is the guy you play in cash running backs the way, you know, Carson was last week in a better matchup at $800 cheaper, right? So um, yeah, it's just a, it's a tough week for running backs. So yeah, Carson on that list of guys I could play that I might not be over the moon about playing. Yeah, I think I'm just going to, I think as the season goes on and maybe this week too, I'm just going to, I feel like I just want to put so much priority in the guys that I just know are going to be on the field the whole game, no matter what. We talked about this as a theme last season as well, and there's just a group of guys and there's very few of them. And I think I just want to prioritize them as much as possible, especially if they're in the upper, if they're in the upper tier, they have to be in that group, like a hundred percent. There's no way you can, it's so hard to go into any kind of timeshare or any kind of game Mm -hmm. script issues, Um, you know, 
the fact that Carson isn't like that is what keeps him a little cheaper. Uh, I'd probably be a little, I'd be a little down here in this situation, especially if they were down. But you know, um, Seattle's just a weird team, and they just they want to run the ball a ton, even though they have Russell Wilson. I just don't 100% get it. Uh, the, Russell Wilson just didn't t- target a ton of different guys in the passing game last week. I, they're obviously we're going into the season without Doug Baldwin. Chris Carson led the team in targets, so you like to see that. D- DK Metcalf had six. He was another one of these rookie ride receivers that had pretty nice games sort of out of nowhere, and no one else saw more than two targets. Vanette, Lockett, and Disley saw two targets each. So have fun figuring out the Seattle passing game if they're playing from, <laughs> f- playing from behind this week because it just doesn't look like I just I can never figure this team out. Indianapolis goes in and plays Tennessee. You mentioned Derrick Henry last uh, briefly when you're kind of rolling through some of those running backs. He's a guy that's busted out some huge games in the past, and he's also a guy that's been in a timeshare with Deion Lewis seemingly or basically for the last two seasons, uh, although Henry did carry the ball 19 times to Lewis's three, even though the snap count was 36 to 26. Also busted off a huge, uh, huge pass in the past. Yeah, Henry game. averaging and, seventy-five yards of reception this season, so that seems like it'd be hard to ignore for the. Uh, he's another one of these guys. Coaches. He's like this guy shouldn't be shouldn't <laughs> be breaking off long runs and like long catches. Like when you see his body, because it never looks like he's moving all that fast, and then he just kind of did it a bunch of times last season. It's just so weird to see. Um, thoughts on him? He touched the ball twenty-one times, had over one hundred and fifty yards. A lot of them were through that one that one sort of I would call it sort of fluky pass. Um, mm-hmm. But they're home favorites here against Indianapolis. And we saw the Chargers be able to sort of run on them last week. Any thoughts on Henry here if you thought that he was going to touch the ball another 20-plus times in this matchup? Yeah, I think you know both Henry and Mac are basically the same guy for me this week, uh, guys who are kind of run-only backs on their team's offenses that have excellent week ones on the back of luck, in my opinion. And, yeah, they're solid players overall, but I just don't, I don't think either of these guys ends the season as – mid $7,000 running back. So I would rather not pay a mid thousand dollar price or mid $7,000 price tag for them. Uh, both, you know, Naheem Hines and Deion Lewis lurking there uh, to take not just receptions, but probably the occasional touchdown too. So, you know, it's two teams that don't trust their passing game very much. So in the right game script, these guys are going to get carries, but you know, if we don't, we, we talk about this with quarterbacks where, you know, a lot of the floor comes from at least occasionally being able to gobble up some yardage on the ground and running backs. It's, it's, Ironically, their floor comes from catching balls out of the backfield, right? You know, uh, those touches tend to be higher value for fantasy purposes, not only because you get half a point or a point per reception, but but also just because of it being for more yardage. So uh, the fact that neither of these guys is featured in the passing game kind of makes me wary of them. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, 22 carry, 84 yard games in these guys' futures, and I would rather not be sitting there holding the bag. I think I can get a similar type of player for a thousand less, so... Um, yeah, it's not. I'm obviously not ruling it out. I mean, both of these guys just showed that they can go off for 25 plus fantasy points, so it's far from impossible. But I just don't want to be in the position where I have to guess when that's going to be. The target share breakdown for the, t- the Titans last week. Delaney Walker led the team with six targets, turned it into two touchdowns. So you'd like to yeah. see that the red zone usage is there for him, and that is a thing that Mariota has shown in the past. So you have touchdown equity with a guy like Walker. Uh, again, the theme was a nice week to be a rookie wide receiver. A.J. Brown had 100 yards on four on four targets. These, these rookie wide receivers just ran so incredibly hot. It's kind of it's kind of stupid how good how good they were sort of across the board. There was like seemed like there was like six of these guys, which is totally ridiculous. And then Corey Davis had four targets. They just didn't throw the ball a ton. So it's going to be hard to trust the Tennessee running excuse me passing game, even in the best of catch up kind of situations. It doesn't really project that that's going to be the case here. Uh, last one o'clock game, Cardinals go in and play the Ravens. We mentioned this a lot uh, in the Cash Game podcast. Ravens here are 13-point favorites. 
And we mentioned the idea about just rolling back Lamar Jackson again for another week. We spent the last two podcasts talking about Lamar Jackson. I don't think we need to do any more talking about him uh, really here. So go back and listen to all our thoughts. I think we really, really still like him in cash games this week. Uh, you mentioned Mark Ingram buying at an all-time high price. The Edwards carries, was it just enough to, for you to see that Edward, they were kind of splitting the, the action early in the game between him and Edwards. Edwards got some of that late run um, because the game was really over. That's, I think that's why he out-carried him. So I don't, wouldn't take that as the piece, but you're, you're more mentioning the fact that Edwards was in an early series as well instead of Ingram. Is that, like, that was more of your concern, right? Yeah, Edwards had the, the goal line, two goal line carries on that first drive, and he didn't convert, and then Ingram came in and did convert. But that was horrifying to me as a Mark Ingram owner on 5%, uh, watching Edwards get his number called twice down there. So... I think that yeah, for that I'm reason. I'm picturing you. I'm picturing you on Sunday being horrified. I just like that. Just like just like I watching. Was like, you know. I, my mouth was open. I had my hand over my mouth. Is there anything else? Can I paint the picture for you? <laughs> I actually a, do. A football. Football is the one sport. Like I'm, you know, a pretty analytical, unemotional guy. But the fact that, especially week one, when you're in the DFS industry, it, it's an absurd. There's an absurd amount of money on the line for or, organizations like ours when those week one. Uh, games happen and it's just mostly because so many customers in this business are, are pretty unsophisticated and you know they'll look at a, a five percent play on ingram and they'll evaluate forget about the five years we've been doing this the fact that we've produced a, a million dollar winner on DraftKings, the fact that you know we just have a track record of success dating back as long as literally anyone in the industry except for roto grinders basically shout out to those guys um but yeah it'll all just come down to that week one so yes doug when i see gus edwards marching his behind out there almost swore on the podcast here in the vivid seats lounge uh when i see gus edwards marching out there i'm horrified that that is an appropriate word to use there yeah I, i'm with you i would i would we were so high on ingram going in and we i i do want to say that we probably got lucky with those two or we got lucky with at least one of the touchdowns so i'm totally willing to Certainly say that the first we, one yeah yeah we had to downgrade his carries overall we did talk about Mark Andrews as a play. I don't think I want to trust the wide receivers here just yet because no matter what, even the, the way this game rolled in terms of target share, it was really the tight ends that saw the most targets from here. Yeah, but I will say the only caveat I'll give there is that the game was absolutely out of hand. And we saw, at least in the first quarter, Brown caught those first two touchdowns. So <laughs> Brown goes out there. Uh, Marquise Brown has 130 receiving yards with two touchdowns in the first quarter. And then the game is over. And then he only sees a couple more targets throughout the rest of the game. So I wouldn't I wouldn't write him off just yet. He's not not cheap by any means at this point, but I don't think you want to give up on him. I think he's so the type let me of ask guy you a question. Put up some absolutely huge weeks going forward. He's only fifty seven hundred here, so um, he could. But let me give you something that would talk, maybe talk you off the, that maybe talk you off Marquise Brown. Here was the wide receiver snap count for this. This is gonna be crazy when you hear this because the the way the numbers shook out. Seth Roberts led the team in snaps at fifty two. Second was Willie Sneed with 50. Third was Miles Boinkin with 18. Fourth was Marquise Brown with 14 total snaps. He won five, five targets, four for 147, and two touchdowns, and only 14 snaps in the field. Well, that's also because he, he hurt his hip a little bit, too. Um, he is currently listed as questionable with a hip. And I think as, as soon as he tweaked the hip um, and they, they were winning by 40 points, they just took him off the field because they think he's a real part of their future going forward. So, yeah, the snap count... Like there, there's five different reasons to be dubious of snap counts when you're looking at this Ravens Dolphins game, um, but for him in particular, I do think the hip played into that that factor. The fact that he was out there in the first quarter putting up absolutely electric numbers, I don't think they saw that and were like, 
I need more Willie Sneed in my life. Jeez, I just can't keep watching Hollywood Brown catch 80-yard touchdowns. You know, I, I don't, I don't think that anywhere near reflects their plan going forward. So, um, yeah, don't don't go invest in your Seth Roberts stock. I guess is what I'm saying. Another guy who got a lot of touches, even though they were playing from behind all, all game, was and the game did go to overtime as well. With David Johnson, I, I say touches because I'm including targets, not receptions. So if anyone's like looking at a game log and saying, um, you know, that's not yeah. how many times he touched the ball, I'm doing targets plus rush attempts, not receptions. Yeah, what we're saying really is plays that were drawn up for that player or plays that were going towards that running back. Exactly. He thought his his usage was 25 looks here, 18 carries, seven targets for 137 yards, does not get into, excuse me, got into the end zone of uh, a reception. Um, where does he land in this group of bad, you know, very good high usage running backs in seemingly bad teams or as heavy underdogs? Played a ton, still was really effective. Uh, the game ended up being close, but it wasn't close the whole game. Where does he land in that group of the Barkley, Fournette underdogs, but these guys are just going to, looks like they're going to play every down. Yeah, I wouldn't be messing with him for any reason, really, in a Baltimore matchup here. I think he's a good guy to, sock away for next week um i think this game you know obviously the detroit game was as close as possible he did see a decent amount of overtime touches as both teams were just trying to run out the clock and you know walk away with the tie for whatever reason um did see the ball a lot wasn't like wildly effective at least in the running game which you know was a big concern of people that were questioning david johnson going into the season but yeah i don't know man it's i guess it's actually kind of an interesting question right because we've talked about this absolute sea of running backs in this mid $7,000 range on FanDuel, he's certainly a guy with some pedigree that did see the, the target share week one. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly at the very least, interesting big tournament guy, right? I mean, if this game stays close, we know the plan is for him to have mid-20s touches. The big question is, can it really, can we realistically think this game is going to stay close given what we saw from both of these teams week one? It doesn't seem like it. So um, I think that, and look, Baltimore's yeah. a good defense too. So this is not the same situation against Detroit. Detroit's defense is not it's exactly. not as good as Baltimore. So I don't think we probably – I think that's enough to write it off. 17 implied points for the Cardinals this week. That does feel a little low to me. I, it started at 14.75 up to 17. So uh, I, 17 still also feels a little low to me, especially um, just the way kind of Murray did at least looked competent in the second half of last game. But, you know, famous last words in these rookie quarterbacks. I would take a little bit of a grain of salt on some of the target share. We had, they, had, they supported three guys. The three wide receivers all had more than 10 targets. He also threw the ball over 50 times. That's just not likely to happen if you kind of put him back into a normal – you know, high 30s pass attempts, which is still a lot uh, for a guy like this. Uh, you got to yeah. just downward, you got to downward grade some of those targets. So I don't, I wouldn't just go about thinking that they're going to support double-digit target guys from three of the wide receivers. That just, that's not really the kind of thing that happens. All right, Casey goes in and plays Oakland. Uh, the big news, obviously, here, Tyreek Hill is out. We talked at length about Sammy Watkins. He's very likely to be the highest-owned wide receiver in cash games and probably tournaments as well. And for good reason. This is just an awesome offensive attack and Watkins is coming off uh, the highest fantasy scoring week and it's not one of these things you're not you're not you know again getting his projection from last week this is just this is what projects to happen when Tyreek Hill is out you know the weird thing is after him though the 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 Chiefs are projected for 30 points here it's one of the highest of the slate and really they were like the two running backs and then Watkins and Kelsey and that's kind of all that did anything on this team and Tyreek Hill went down really early like he went I think it was the second drive Mm -hmm. of the game he was at he was out 11 targets for Watkins eight for Kelsey and then six for Damian Williams and there was seven guys that saw two or one target through the rest of the offense 
Do we just need to give all the targets to Watkins and Kelsey? Because that's just how this team kind of rolls, even without Tyreek Hill. Do you want to take a shot on a guy like McCall Hardman or Demarcus Robinson? They, these guys are going to step into a very high-powered offense, but they were there last week and they didn't really do anything. I don't know. I feel like there's, I feel like there could be huge upside from some of these very cheap guys, not for cash, but like just for GPP stand from a GPP stand. Yeah, you're right. I think it's the well. I think it's unfortunately the type of situation where you're right that there is huge upside potentially for some of these guys, and that will be sort of a common sentiment. And so the risk that you'll be taking on trying to guess, because like you said, it didn't happen last week, trying to guess who the guy will be this week will outweigh the rewards you get if they have, you know, anything above a few percent ownership, right? So yeah, I don't think I'll be involved in any of that speculation. I think I'll go the old boring route if I'm going to play Chiefs and just go with Watkins and Kelsey. I think that's by far the more likely scenario. Uh, Even Damian Williams, by the way, who... Yeah, he was in a timeshare with McCoy last week, but he did have six targets out of the passing game, 19 total touches. I think he might be a little bit slept on here too. He's not in that uh, mid-7,000s range. He's actually at 6,600 here. Many people regard him as the more talented back between he and McCoy, and uh, certainly on a per-touch basis last week, you couldn't make that declaration definitively. McCoy did turn his 10 uh, carries into 81 yards on the ground, but I think that there's at least the upside there. So I think, but I think between Williams, McCoy, Kelsey, and Watkins, there's just enough talent to go around that they don't need to be uh, dumpster diving with these, you know, down, down a line options like Robinson and so on. Yeah. I, again, like Hill went out early and these guys didn't touch the ball. So that just yeah. really wasn't like what they were planning on doing. I love the six targets for Williams. I feel like they're going to redistribute some of Hill's targets. Look, by the way, Hill's not like a huge target guy. He's a huge yards guy. Like he's never really sustained this right. not monster usage in the past game. It's just that when he actually gets the ball, it's kind of like good luck trying to catch him. But so teams will scheme just to not even get the ball. But they don't, he don't, they don't like really look his way. They never look his way a ton, a ton, really, even in the best of times. Uh, so the Williams 13 carries and six targets I like. They, he probably is has to be a little worried that he went 13 for 26 and uh, Shady went 10 for 81. So if you're if they're going to look for a reason to get Shady more uh, touches, that might be it. And even with all that said, Damian Williams is really butting up close to being a cash-getting play for us um, on both sites just because of, of the price and because of the usage in the passing game. On the other side... Oakland without Antonio Brown they said no Antonio Brown no problem still beat Denver week one on Monday Josh Jacobs got a ton of carries now they were winning that game so um, he was not really using the passing game much uh, one target but he had 23 carries for 85 yards and two touchdowns and then Tyrell Williams led the team in targets excuse me second on the team in targets he went six for seven for 105 yards and a touchdown I Tyrell Williams might be a cash game play I like I He's wow. pretty cheap. He's pretty cheap, and I, you have to figure Casey lets it up. Like Casey is not a very good defense. Like they and they let up a ton of plays, mostly because they score so easily. Like the pace of play, they they will allow the opponents to have a lot of uh, just just a lot of chances to score. Twenty three implied points for the Raiders. Darren Waller and Tyrell Williams in the passing game are looking at least for our system, looking like sort of close to to cash game plays, especially because while they only had eight and seven targets each last week. Derek Carr only threw the ball 26 times because they were winning that game. You can't project that they're going to be winning this game. So you have to figure that Carr moves into at least the mid-30s or higher passing attempts, which means if that's the case and you redistribute the targets, now you're starting to look close to double digits for both these guys. What do you think here? Tyrell Williams right now, he is in our top DraftKings lineup uh, at 4,400 on DraftKings. Um, Thoughts on seeing that? Oh, by the way, Darren Waller, 3,300. He's sneaking around there too. Would you feel comfortable just throwing these Oakland passing game guys out there knowing they might be playing from behind against this Chiefs defense? 
Doug, the answer might surprise you. It's yes, I would be comfortable doing that. I think uh, the case you laid out is a very, very solid one because um, the, there's the inverse, right? So if Josh Jacobs is going to be in this Leonard Fournette all-stars of guys who could have 25 touches in a game where, you know, mysteriously the Raiders are winning like they were against Denver last week, uh, the inverse is also true, right? If there's going to be these more normal games where they're getting the doors blown off and Jacobs can only, you know, they can only justify giving him the ball 15 times a game. And then those other 10 plays are redistributed elsewhere. And when he's not running the ball, there's going to be more possessions in general, obviously, because there's going to be uh, more clock stoppages. So, yeah, I think you make a very compelling case. The fact that, you know, uh, Williams uh, was so effective last week in the first place, I, I think is a really good sign. Waller, too. And given that they were effective and had good target share, and just good absolute targets in a game where Oakland was surprisingly winning. Yeah, it leads me to believe that there's double-digit target games in these guys' future. I don't think it'll always be easy for Oakland to score as it was against Denver, but I, mean, I don't know. Maybe this offense winds up being a little bit frisky, and these guys, at the very least, you can't see the prices going down on these guys. So, yeah, for that reason, I would sign off on them playing them for cash. Uh, they have the highest implied point total of a team that's favored that's projected to lose. So if you can figure out what I'm saying okay. out there, like they have they, they have 23 implied points, and so I'm just saying mostly if I have a team playing that projects to play from behind, they're seven and a half point underdogs here at home. Uh, they are, they project to score the most points among that group. I'm mostly just looking for teams that are going to be forced to pass late, and it really does feel like the Oakland's going to be in that situation. And it was good that they looked at least competent with Carr and no Antonio Brown. Uh, with that passing game last week, so uh, th th that's where it stands right now with these guys. We'll see what if when it's all said and done, if that's where they land. I do not want to play J Josh Jacobs here as a seven point, seven and a half point underdog. I saw some people speculate that he was going to be chalk on Twitter. I just can't. I, I hope he is. That's not. I have no interest in doing that yes, at absolutely. all. And I, I and I would love for other people to play him as a running back option because he was not all that effective, and that game laid out absolutely perfectly for him. You can't imagine that happens again. Mm -hmm. Chicago. Could not do a single thing on offense last week against Green Bay. Uh, they go in now on the road to Denver. This game has a 40-and-a-half total. Chicago is slight favorites, probably on the back of the defense here. Allen Robinson saw a ton of targets. There's really nothing else you can say about this offense. Anything you'd like on either side of the ball here on the for the game that I believe has the lowest over-under of the slate? Yes, it does. Uh, anything you like here fantasy-wise? No, not really. I think... Um... I saw nothing but resounding disappointment from both of these teams in the first week. Uh, you know, any optimism about David Montgomery, you know, going into especially people's season-long drafts has to be totally squashed at this point, right? I mean, uh, you know, there are a few different cooks in that kitchen. Uh, Tark Cohen is always going to be looming, you know, siphoning off targets in the passing game. He wasn't very good on the runs he did get against Green Bay. Yeah, again, I, I mean, I guess if you're dreaming on upside, go for it. Uh, and then on the Denver side, we're just back to the, the straight down the middle timeshare uh, between Lindsey and Freeman. So, yep, not touching it. And I think the passing games for both teams generally underwhelming here. I will say that uh, Robinson and Sutton, uh, Allen Robinson on Chicago and, and Cortland Sutton on Denver are guys that could be considered values at their various price points. I mean, uh, Sutton gets there probably on more yardage than he would normally get. But, you know, eight targets in the passing game against Oakland, uh, nothing to turn your nose up at. And then Allen Robinson... Um, 13 targets against Green Bay in admittedly a weird game, you know, where they could never establish the run and, and maybe we're starting to try to use the short pass as the run there. Wasn't super efficient on those 13 targets, but, you know, he's at least lurking and he's cheap. So whenever I can get 13 targets from a guy whose name I recognize uh, early in the season, I, it at least gets on my radar. 
Glad you recognize his name. That's a, you know, puts a lot of faith in the uh, football <laughs> Well, I'm talking, oh, you know yeah. what I mean. There's guys like know, T- you know, know. TJ Hawkinson and like all these other guys that with absolutely no track record. When a guy that actually has demonstrated some ability in the past is getting 13 targets, you pay more attention. That's all. I knew what you meant. I'm just busting your butt. Okay. Uh, final game here. I think that has incredible amount of fantasy implications just considering the nature of the thin spread, minus two and a half, and the over-under 52. And that's the Saints going in to play the Rams. You mentioned Kamara. They are slight underdogs here. Kamara was, look, Kamara's just an elite guy. Uh, they use him a little differently than other teams use their running backs in that they're happy to just kind of split him out wide at times or happy to just get him balls out of the backfield through the pass and maybe not going to pound him through the middle as much as other teams. And yet when he rushes the ball, 13 for 97, he's still incredibly effective. Seeing how this game is maybe sort of lining up, that it's going to be close, that it could be something that could shoot out, I we mentioned it before. I we were just gonna play Kamara in cash. He touched the ball twenty times last week, and he had hundred and sixty nine yards, and didn't didn't even score a touchdown. And he's still, you know, you'd love to see just the yardage and just the overall targets. I think he may be just like kind of a must for me. I I I don't know. I think he's gonna be chalk, and he's not in our top lineup right now on Fanduel. He is there on DraftKings. Do we want to just get him to the top lineup over a guy like maybe Saquon Barkley? He's 500 less. Um, would you feel comfortable with that kind of thing? I think we need to bu- we need to boost up his usage just a little to get him there. Yeah, I really like Kamara on DraftKings. I think you're right that he is a must there. I think the target share and the PPR gives him a higher floor that you really like to see. I'm a little concerned on FanDuel, just to be honest. I think Murray looked really good on the nine plays that were drawn up for him last week. Uh, he did have the touchdown as well, where Kamara didn't, and... You know, I think there will be weeks where they want to pound the ball on the ground a little bit more. And I think Murray, you know, he's just a solid running back, right? I mean, he's pretty much sliding into that Mark Ingram role. So um, Kamara, very expensive. I think I'd prefer Barkley. I could be talked into it, I suppose, with Kamara, just depending on what I can do with that extra 500 in savings. But yeah, good play. I don't think we need to lock him in or anything, but wouldn't would certainly wouldn't cross him off if he wound up in the top lineups organically. Yeah, he's a thousand less than Barkley on DraftKings, so that is that's really probably making the case. Yeah, then you just that, play him for sure. That's the strongest case for him. Look, they're not mutually exclusive. You can play both. Like right now, the way the wide receivers kind of shake out here, right now it is Barkley and Kamara and Eckler at, in the in the flex spot. That's how our lineups are with, with Watkins. You know, the top lineup right now in DraftKings is Allen, Barkley, Kamara, Sammy Watkins. will be chalk. Tyrell Williams, forty four hundred. Danny Amendola, he loved that in PPR. Darren Waller or T.J. Hawkinson can go in that tight end slot, and then you have Eckler. I it looks weird to see Josh Allen. We're just giving away the top lineup for free at the end of the podcast now. I like eh, it's not gonna. It's not gonna end up being this because something will change. Although this probably be pretty close. Yeah, whatever. Like the people can sign up for a free three day trial. We're in that window and now anyway they can see it themselves. Yeah, so it's by a the free way, seven free day three day trial, trial by the way. But yeah, go ahead. Oh, there you go. So what this, we might give away to everybody. We should do this every week if we keep it a seven day trial and just people can see what it is. Maybe hopefully they go sign up or then we just wholesale change it by the end. By the way, uh, the lineup two though. Actually has Josh Allen gets away from gets away from Barkley and actually has Kamara and just Michael Thomas. Now Michael Thomas what, mm. last week had 13, 13 targets, ten receptions for one twenty three. He also did not get into the end zone, but we've seen him. Uh, although his targets were I don't think were as high last season, but he could just be an elite target guy from week to week. And they went right back to the well. How do you like just stacking those two guys just in cash? We're gonna get to the Rams here to close it off here in a second, but. Would you feel okay with that kind of situation, just stacking the Kamara Thomas part of the offense on the Saints side and calling it a day? I don't know why I need to stack them. Um, if you're asking me why, if I would be comfortable playing Michael Thomas, I would. I think if I'm looking at other guys in that same price range, uh, like Kamara himself, I'd rather play Kamara. Uh, 
I think Thomas, you know, he's kind of right there in that discussion with Hopkins for me in terms of guys who delivered on the target share, you know, for DFS purposes. I mean, many people watch that game against Houston, but since it wasn't on the main slate, uh, people might sleep on it just a little bit. Uh, and last year, he was just by far the most efficient receiver in the entire NFL. So uh, going 10 of 13 in the first game for 123 yards, looks like that trend will continue. So yeah, if you're building cash game lineups, it's tough to argue that there are receivers uh, with higher floors than Michael Thomas just in general. All right, final thoughts here on the Rams. Uh, Todd Gurley, he carried the ball 14 times in 54 snaps. Looked really good on the ground, 97 yards. One target through the air. Oh, man, he's so cheap. He's 7,000 on DraftKings. Like, I yeah. – that's like, – FanDuel, I, too. Yeah, he's – they're giving him away. I just don't know. I don't know what to do here with this with Todd Gurley, man. I He ran the ball okay, and I feels like the one target is just going to be the absolute floor for him. I mean, there's the floor is zero, so whatever. It's, this is only a little higher than that. Um I, I just feel like this is I don't know, man. Todd Gurley. Malcolm I, Malcolm Brown had eleven carries for fifty three yards and two touchdowns, including two touchdowns from inside the five yard line. So I think that's still the case for me. I think the Rams, you know, we mentioned this on the I think it was the first podcast this week, but uh, the fact that they just got their absolute lunch handed them by overworking Gurley last season, and the fact that Malcolm Brown was effective in the first week in a close game against Carolina leads me to believe that that's just the plan. So um, wouldn't shock me like if, if this turns into, you know, Kamara Ingram or something like that, right? Like we've seen guys in timeshares not necessarily be unplayable for DFS purpose, but the the real question is, do you want to be, do you want to be a week early on Gurley? Because that's a good rhyme. Because uh, if you are, like you were last week, let's say, um, you're pretty unhappy with 10 fantasy points on a $7,000 price tag, right? Like that would be hopefully your worst play of the week if that happened again. And so if he turns his 15 touches into 100 yards, no touchdowns, that's just a bad result. So, yeah, I don't think – I'm not going to do it in cash, I don't think. Yeah, I think I agree. I just – I kind of want to – It's kind of sad. Guys. I want to play him at $7,000 too, Doug. I hear the pain in your voice, buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to do it to you. I'm glad you can feel. I'm glad you can feel it even across the airwaves here. Okay, <laughs> dailyfantasysportsrankings.com is the site. dfsr.com/deals is going to get you started on the lineup that we just gave out, but you can still get it for free for seven days, uh, free for seven days, and then just twenty nine ninety five a month after that. You're just not going to find a better deal in the industry. James had mentioned before when it comes to the DFS space, uh, we're, we've been around for as, really as long as everyone but Roto Grinders. People have come and gone. And there's other sites that are that are big there too, and mm-hmm. we just have a long, a very long track record of doing this. There's a reason we're still in business the reason this is still our full-time jobs right because uh, we do uh, we think we're about That's as true. good as anyone in the business we've never taken outside money we've never done anything else it's been james and i and our boy chris Durrell. i'm going to throw him out there because he's essentially part of, of the team as well it's us three we do it all we're proud of what we do and you can sign up for a free trial to what we're putting out there dfsr.com slash deals we'll get you started optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. you're all set to go buddy we did a game by game a day early I think we just we delivered mm-hmm. delivered even more even a day early. I don't know about you. I think we're gonna continue with the Thursday. We're gonna continue. Incredible with value, Doug. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible value. I'll, dude, an hour and ten minutes with basically without a stop except when my except when my internet dropped once. But not because we not because we ran out of thoughts. But we could just we could probably do two hours straight of this and just kind of talk free flowing. Hey, you're not wrong. Oh, that's why it's a mega podcast, buddy. DFSR.com slash deals get you started, buddy. Enjoy your week two of football. We'll do.